Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I am so excited to be here today. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. And I'm seriously stoked. I mean, I can't believe that we are nine episodes into season two. It is flying by. And I'll just tell you guys that this has been just a riot for me. I mean, I I know that you guys get value out of this, but I'm telling you that for me to be able to host it and talk to these guests that we have, it is such a blessing. And I'm just so thankful for the people that are listening to it. You know, I was doing some checking right before I came on, and it's it's amazing to me that this little podcast has spread to the entire United States, most of Canada, and we're up to four continents around the world now, which just blows my mind. But I'm so thankful for you guys and for the community that this has started to create. Now, one thing that I will throw out as we are getting, I guess we're a little bit more than halfway through the second season, and we are going to be doing a question and answer episode coming up. Keep sending your questions in. The email address to send them to is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. You keep sending those in and we are going to have an episode dedicated to answering them. The one last season was so fun. It was one of the top rated episodes and we are definitely going to come back and do that again. Now, in today's episode, I'm excited to introduce you to one of my friends and this is going to be a conversation between millennials. Now, wait, I mean, don't turn it off when you hear the M word, (laughs) but this is a conversation between millennials. And I think that this is something that needs to be done because there are all kinds of stereotypes out there about millennials, about how there's no workers out there, about how they're lazy and, and whatever. You know, there might be some truth to some of those stereotypes for certain people, but the thing I wanted to do in this conversation was to talk about what is the next generation thinking. Now, I happen to be an older millennial. We're going to be talking to a younger millennial. You know, as we get into this, we talk about what does it take to keep millennials engaged in their jobs? This is something that, I mean, we all know that there's no one out there to hire, and especially with a skill set that can jump straight into what you do. So if you're going to be hiring someone, most likely they're going to be a younger person, and you're probably going to have to train them. And if you're training them, wouldn't it be worth understanding how they think and how they operate so that you can motivate them and put things in place so that they stay at your company and help you win long term? Now, if you're young and listening to this, we give you the one ingredient that you have to have in your recipe if you're going to succeed at your job in this industry. Now, there's a lot of things that you need to succeed, but this one ingredient is non-negotiable, and you're going to get to hear about that in this interview. Now, anytime we talk about millennials, I feel like I have to preface the fact that there is so much to be learned from the generation that came before us. So if you're my age listening to this, go say thank you to someone that's older than you that you work with that's shown you the way. If you're someone who is a little bit older listening to this, understand that you have brought something amazing to the table that's worth sharing. You've got wisdom, and I guarantee people are looking at you for it. Even if it seems like the young people are just tuning you out, people are watching you, and don't get discouraged thinking that what you say doesn't matter and that you're over the hill. It's not the truth. There is so much wisdom and value that you can bring to your company and to the next generation 
as they're still trying to figure it out. Now, the last thing in this conversation that we hit is this idea that millennials are disruptors. Now, (laughs) you can decide how you want to take that. I personally think that's a really good thing, but we're actually going to get into why disruption describes so many millennials and why that's the air that they breathe. So with all of that said, I can't wait for you to hear this conversation with my friend Caleb Tinsley. We'll circle back at the end and talk about it. Joining me all the way from Chattanooga, Tennessee, is the purchasing agent for Hearthside Distributors. I'm joined by Caleb Tinsley. What's up, Caleb? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, Tim. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Hey, it's really good to see you and talk to you. I'm excited to have you on the show today. It's an honor to be a guest. This is the first time I've ever been interviewed in my life, so <laughs> this is a historic moment for me. Well, here's the, here's the best thing. When the bar's set really low, all I got to do is step over it, right? That's right. Yeah, not much jumping to do right there. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey, Caleb, we connected for the first time a few months back in Minneapolis. It was awesome getting to know you and your family. You guys are doing really cool things out in Tennessee, but I wanted to talk to you about young blood in the industry. I mean, you're a young guy. I mean, I, I thought that I was a young guy until I met you. And I just want to hear a little bit about what does your role look like at Hearthside day to day? Well, first off, Tim, thanks for calling me young because I just had my 24th birthday two days ago and I felt old for the first time in my life. <laughs> uh, but it's it's great. You know, it, there's a lot of challenges for sure. But a, a normal day for me, I come in the office uh, I go to my computer, I log into our platform called NetSuite, and customers will come into our retail store, and if they purchase something from us, uh, I find I, I, I find the distributor that we get it from, I get the product, uh, I communicate with them back and forth, and then uh, once they email me a ship notification, I'll then send that to the customer, and then in the matter of a few days, sometimes weeks, depending on, on if there's back orders, a uh, customer will have their order. Uh, but aside from purchasing, I do a little bit of a sales. And uh, just recently, about two months ago, uh, dad decided to put me on customer service. So it's, that's definitely helped me with my communication skills. Uh, it's a lot different than sales because sales people are coming in, uh, they're wanting something, whereas customer service, there's a problem. Yeah. So it changes the way you act and react with customers. And I, I'm, I'm glad that he's helping me uh, I, I like to call myself a jack of all trades, master of none. I do a little bit of everything. I'm a utility player. At there you go. Side. Yeah, yeah. You're the utility player, like uh, like the MLB guy that can play a little bit of outfield, a little bit of shortstop, a little bit of first base, right? That's right. That's right. I do it all. I like to have a positive attitude. I, I'm a glasses half full type of guy. So yeah. I, I like to carry that attitude into my workplace. Well, that's super clear. I mean, when, when we met, I loved getting to connect with you a few months back, and that was super clear that you're a glasses half full guy. And I wanted to talk to you about just being a young guy in the industry. I mean, for me, I'm 33 now, which feels weird to say, and I started doing this when I was 18 years old. So, I mean, that's like, you know, almost 15 years. And what I've learned in that time has been that I had no idea how complex and how big our industry was. And there's so many times where I've thought I've had it all figured out, and I haven't. So did, did you start like sweeping floors at like seven, eight years old, like super young in there? Or did you kind of stay away from it until you got older? I, I stayed away from it to, until I got older. Uh, to be honest with you, my dad, he's the hardest worker I've ever known. And I saw him work through the bad years like 08 and 09. And even the good years, he's still working hard. And to be honest with you, and he'll even tell you this, I didn't want to do that for the longest time because I was like, I don't want to work as hard as you, dad. Yeah. Until I realized the opportunity that's in front of me and that hard work really does pay off. I've modeled myself after, after my dad, after so many things. 
and it's it's amazing to see uh, what a little bit of hard work will do for you. But uh, to be honest with you, Tim, I used to want to be a physical therapist. Like in high school, I took all the health science classes. Even in college, early on, I was exploratory. Didn't really know what direction I wanted to go in. And that's when I realized the the, the golden opportunity uh, that I had in front of me. I was like, Caleb, this is too good to pass up. So I made my major entrepreneurship and management uh, because a lot of people call me, you don't know this, a lot of people call me Junior just because I'm Kevin Junior. We're the same <laughs> exact person. So I wanted to get a, a major that I knew related to him. And my dad's an entrepreneur and he's a great manager. Yeah. So uh, I, that's when I changed my major and really committed to, towards working for this company. That's awesome. Well, and I mean, obviously your dad is a great guy and he has, he has groomed you to be doing really, really good things. But I think it's, I think it's cool that in college, you—I mean—you would have had a lot of options to go do a lot of things, and you decided to come back. You talked about realizing the golden opportunity. Like, what was it that made you want to change your major and go all in on this family business? Uh, because I knew the direction it was going in, and I knew that uh, my gift of being able to uh, analyze and uh, think outside the box and come up with new ideas. I, it, there's just not many people that have the opportunity to go to a trade show like we did in Dallas or go to Minneapolis or Chicago. And I have all these opportunities at the tip of my fingers and a whole world ahead of me. And you started at 18 and now you're at 33. I didn't start till I was 22, 23. <laughs> I've, I've only been in this for about a year or two. Yeah. And uh, I just started to realize like, if I really put forth the time and effort I can see amazing things coming out of not only the company, but the industry as well. Yeah, well, that's cool. And I, and I think that you have had some amazing experiences. I'm, th- I'm thinking back to a few months back when we were in Minneapolis and we're sitting there standing on the field at the Vikings-Bears game right before the playoffs start. And it's like, that's pretty cool, right? Oh, that was amazing. Uh, you don't know, I, I, I'm sure I told you, but I'm a huge NFL guy. Every fall, uh, we get NFL Sunday ticket. I watch every single game every Sunday. Thursday night football, Monday night football. So the Vikings game was a great experience. And on top of that, uh, before we were in the tunnel, uh, before the game, we were in the tunnel and uh, right outside the suite. And <laughs> I was sitting there. I, I was on my phone. I almost didn't even catch her. And I look up, and I'm not even kidding. Within arm's reach uh, was Aaron Andrews. We brushed arms, and I was so nervous. I just I just froze up and said, uh, hey Aaron, and she, she said hi, and that made my entire day. I could the game could have ended right there, and I would have been totally fine because I met Aaron Andrews. So you were you were the guy that met Aaron Andrews. That's a that's a life statement right there. Oh yeah, yeah. I bet she hasn't forgot it since then. No, I'm sure she's she's probably been <laughs> been mad that she didn't give you her number or something like that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. She's mad. She's missing out. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, so talk to me about this. So so being a young guy talking about innovation, what have you found specifically that you are bringing to the company? Uh, actually, I'm mad that I. I haven't got this. Uh, I've been working on a patent. I, well, I worked on it last year and got a, a prototype done, but I've been having trouble. We, we've been trying to perfect it and making sure it's it's what we really want to do. And I wish we had a patent in for it already and I could talk about it on here. Not that I don't trust you, but I just I promised my dad I would, only me and him would know about it until. Well, you're, uh, you're talking to basically every state in the country and most of Canada, so it's probably good to keep that you know under the under yeah. the vest right now. <laughs> yeah, it probably is. But, but as far as being a young guy, uh, I've realized there's a big generation gap between, uh, between me and the, the veterans of the hearth industry. And I, I, I would like to bring an, I guess you could say a new approach. It's not that anything's wrong with it. It's just, 
y'all know you're you're at the tail end of being a millennial, aren't you? I am. You know yeah, how guilty as charged. Us, yep, us millennials get a bad rap, but at the same time, we're changing the industry, not just the hearth industry, everywhere. The way we approach problems, uh, we're technical, we're technologically savvy, and we're experts at that. We're equipped. We're familiar with it. Yeah, you're absolutely right, dude. And so, one thing I want to ask you, you, you brought this up a little bit just a second ago, is you talked about the M word, which is millennial. And I feel like millennial is a dirty word in the industry right now. Everybody yep. complains about them. You know, so talk about this from an older millennial, you know, to a younger millennial. What do people need to understand about the millennial generation? Uh, they need to understand that even though we're young, uh, we're not dumb. Like we catch a lot of unnecessary heat uh, because while there are a lot of goofballs out there, for every goofball, there's ten good millennials that know what they're doing. That a lot of millennials nowadays they're doers. We got we have thinkers and doers, and I think that's what we're uh, we we get, we fill the gap on the bridge uh, that the other generations had difficulties like technology. We're experts in that. So yeah. I think we kind of feel that gap. And uh, millennials, for the most part, do have good critical thinking skills. And again, that's, I'm not bashing the generation before us. It's just they, they literally went through a different time. Whenever they were my age, like my dad, he, he had to work really hard. And I'm working hard, too. But he worked hard in a different way. And he had to, he had to scrape to get to the top. And that's, that's one of the things I admire about him. Yeah, and I think that one thing that, that is, I think, as I've tried to think about millennials and what it is that makes us unique, we have seen in our lifetime almost everything get disrupted. You know, we've seen the music mm-hmm. industry get disrupted. Recently, we've seen the cell phone industry get disrupted, right? So, like, when we were younger, everybody had, like, a BlackBerry and a Nokia, like, you know, phone. And now that's gone. Like, you have to have an iPhone. You have to have a smartphone. Nokia used to be the number one player, and they're gone. You look at Amazon. They have disrupted everything you look at uber yep. disrupted caps and we that that happened as we have been growing up through it so i feel like as a millennial i think it's fair to say that we have experienced disruption at almost every level as we've grown up and i feel like that has started to make us thinkers of like well how do we jump out of the box that we we have we have grown up with this and we're starting to be wired to ask how can we do it a different way how can we cut out waste how can we eliminate the middleman and make things better and more efficient is that fair I think that's fair to say. Uh, you you mentioning all this made me think. You mentioned Amazon. Seeing people do the unthinkable makes everybody realize, hey, this is possible. So I I think I think that's fair to you to say that as millennials we are disruptors, uh, and that's in a good way. And yep. it's just it's just like you said, it's taking everything that we've seen growing up and just making it better. How can I make this better? That's from a true entrepreneurship point. How can I make this better and just waking up every day with that attitude and never being satisfied because you can always make room for improvement. 100%. And that's where I think that with millennials, you know, if you're if you're going to stereotype, there's probably two major stereotypes. There is the stereotype of the millennials that live in their parents' basement and don't do anything. And there's plenty of people that do that. But I would say at the same time, another millennial stereotype is that if you get a driven millennial Dude, watch out. I mean, because watch they out. will crush it. And I yep. feel like that's what we're starting to talk about is that is that yeah, there's always people that get a bad rap, but if you can find a millennial that is motivated, 
I think that everything that we just talked about and that you mentioned with disruption and making things better, well, go put them in your business and see what happens, man. They are not going to stop until something amazing comes out of it. So Caleb, I want to ask you this question. Being a millennial, being young, there's a lot of people listening to this. They're thinking, hey, there's not enough work out there. Everybody's entitled. No one wants to come work for me. I'm just a small horse store. I don't think that's true, but I want to ask you, you know, what is the most important thing to you in a job? The most important thing to me in a job uh, is taking pride in your work and uh, how you're treated. And uh, I love my job. Uh, the most that I learned one of my the, my biggest takeaways from college was in a management class, and uh, it, it taught on the importance of uh, motivation and the uh, the psychology behind uh, a worker and a manager. And my biggest takeaway is money isn't the m- number one motivator. It's how you're treated. Yeah. Whenever you whenever you invest in good employees and you treat them and you you make them know that they're they're loved and respected and you want them there at the company, you're going to get a lot of good work out of them. I'll tell you that right now. If you just make them feel like they're cared about, they will invest all their energy, all their time, and you'll really start to see a difference in their passion and their work. That, that's another big thing is passion. Yeah, that's something my dad has always spoke to me about. He's always got he's always said, "Son, if you do anything in this job, you just got to make this job your passion and everything will change. Your pers- your whole perspective will change. Oh, man. That, you know, that's amazing. And that's been the story of my life because in a past life for me, like I played guitar in a failing punk rock band up and down the West Coast for years. And I kind of stumbled into this industry just thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do this for a little bit until like my music career takes off. And it's funny that that looking back at it now, I mean, I still play music in that same failing punk band, <laughs> but but not at the same, not in the same way I used to that as I as I look back on it I, I've realized that the passion and the dedication that I applied to music in that band I have just simply taken that and shifted it to fireplaces and it's funny that that passion I think you're right that passion makes everything better and I would argue that there are so many people that are waiting to apply their focus energy and passion to their dream as opposed to looking at where they are now, applying their focus and passion to it and realizing that that actually was their dream all along. Yeah, uh, you're certainly right. When I finally got real with myself and settled down a year ago after I graduated uh, college, that's when I really realized I got to put all my time and energy into this if I want to make it successful. Uh, Because there's no halfway in, halfway out. I I have to be either 100% in or do something else. So I'm committed. uh, I'm in it to win it. I just, every day I try to find something. Uh, for instance, my dad, uh, I was struggling, forget which fireplace it was, but I was struggling with selling it for some reason. So he had the idea, uh, to just drill me on it. He just said, take notes. Uh, we're going to role play and until you get it right. And he would pretend to be the customer and, uh, he just drilled me over and over and yes, over. Until I, I got love it. it. Yeah. And it, he was rough. Kevin will be rough on you sometimes, but he he does it for a reason. He does it to drill it in my brain, make sure I learn it and understand. It. And now I can sell that thing like it's nothing. <laughs> that's great. So that's a great that's a great question. I want to piggyback to is what's the biggest thing that you're learning from your dad in this industry? I mean, Kevin is doing awesome things. He's built this great business, and you're coming in with ideas, young and hungry. But obviously, we want to defer to the wisdom that came before us. How are you learning from your dad? Oh, I'm taking a lot of notes on his work ethic. Uh, he wakes up every morning at six. Uh, he gets to the office. Now that it's slow, he gets there by eight. But in the in the winter, I, I, I want to say he gets there at seven. 
the guy's just an iron horse. He, he really is. He's been he's been doing this since he was my age, and uh, he's been doing it for a long time. He's seen some ups and downs. Uh, back in 2008, 2009, uh, he hit rock bottom. Uh, everybody did. I, the housing market crashed. That's the majority of our business, and uh, he made it out alive. And and that's just something I've I've seen him behind the scenes. I've seen him struggle and I've seen him succeed and just seeing the him being at the lowest all the way to the highest and still keeping his uh, work ethic at an all time high. That's just something I admire about him. And really, like there's no one specific aspect of the business I can talk about because I like if you if you work if you centered around work ethic and passion, like we mentioned in the previous question, everything else stems across that. So. If you're working hard and you have good work ethic, uh, your sales are going to be good. And I think that's a really good point where you're talking about your dad. And I think this goes to the point that that I don't know if the older generation fully realizes how much younger folks are watching them. And it, it reminds me of that saying where they talk about how more is caught than taught. And it seems like the older generation, you know, they, they got to realize that that the way that they answer questions, the way that they answer the phones, the way that they do their job, people are watching. And even if they think millennials aren't listening, they're watching. And I believe that they're probably catching a lot of what they say. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> my telephone voice. So this is my casual voice I'm using right now, but this, this one, good afternoon, hearth and grill sales. This is Caleb. I've modeled, <laughs> I've modeled that. I've modeled that after my dad and, and emails. I, you, there's no, you don't know how many times back when he worked at, uh, in his office and I, I wasn't working there yet. So, uh, I would just walk in his office and sit down and talk to him and and watch him answer emails. And just from watching him answer emails, like I've learned the proper etiquette and how to respond to people and, uh, how not to come off as too nice. But I always, first and foremost, something I learned from my dad, if, when I respond to an order or so, respond to a customer via email, uh, I always say, thank you for the order. Or, or in person, I'll like, thank you for your business. Thank you very much. And uh, just just being courteous and and earning the customer's respect while also no, coming off as a professional because you want to you want to know you want them to know that you know your stuff yep and and just everything my dad's been a great model for that he just being a professional the way he talks to customers uh the way he pre- does his sales pitch i mean, it, it really is there's no there's no reciting it for him it, it it's something else i've learned like just read over this stuff and read it every single day until it becomes a part of me until it becomes just something I can roll off my tongue and not even think about. Yeah. Well, so it sounds to me like obviously your dad has carved out a legacy that you're living into. And and I think this is very fair. I've heard people say this about millennials that millennials want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And it sounds like that's what you're a part of with this family legacy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, just like this interview, it, it, it's taken. It, sometimes I have to take a step back and realize how blessed I am. And when I, whenever I was in college, I didn't realize that. I, and then it just clicked one day for, for some reason that I, it made you realize, Caleb, there's something special here. And it's just not a second generation hearth business thing. Uh, my dad actually is real big into genealogy, and uh, he's a sixth generation business owner. Wow. So you go back, you go back five generations before him. And uh, they were they all owned a business at one point, so it's almost like it's in the Tinsley blood to do it. And that was another thing I realized. And it's like it's like a calling almost. Like 
I was like, Caleb, this is what you were meant to do. And one day he's going to pass the torch to you and your brothers and y'all are going to do big things. Yeah, absolutely. And so I want to ask you this thing, because you talked about passing the torch. And as you look at this, I, I think that not only what you're seeing in your family business, but right now our industry is passing the torch to the younger generation. And and that's something that takes time, but I really believe that right now we're at a fulcrum point where things are changing in our industry. The guard is starting to turn over. And so what I want to ask you, you know, you're a young leader in this next generation. What are you learning as you kind of step up as a young leader? Uh, I am learning that in order to succeed, you got to have kind of like the Thomas Edison approach to it, uh, to where you're not afraid to fail of failure. Uh, Michael Jordan said, I missed a hundred game winning shots over my lifetime. And that's why I'm so successful. Like just not being afraid to get yourself out there and, and potentially mess. I'm not saying mess up big, but like my dad threw me and my brothers to the wolves when it came to sales. Like he, he didn't, he didn't baby us or anything. Day one, he said, all right, customers coming in, do what you can. And if you mess up, just say you're training. Like you just can't be afraid of failure. And that's that's something the new generation of millennials is bringing. Uh, they're bringing that attitude, uh, all that new, like you said, fresh blood, energy, just a, just a whole different approach. And and back to my patent, uh, I won't spot, talk too long about it. I I wish I could say what it is, but just to give an example of the, I'll tie it into the millennial thing. Yeah, technology, it's infinite. It, it's going to just keep growing and growing. I know I'm not the only entrepreneur out there with uh, new ideas or patents or inventions. Someone's coming up with something every day. Uh, so I, I I like that we're on to something. Uh, we're going to take off with it. And if it fails, so what? We can find a way to make it better. Uh, if it succeeds, we'll go with it. And uh potentially change the hearth industry as we know it. Yeah, there you go, man. I love that. I mean, I talk all the time to my team about forget fear fail fast and fail often. I mean, I, I, re- I really believe that, that, that we got to throw fear out the window. I mean, the fear, it's always there. And what I found for me is that most of the time when I, when I feel that fear creeping up on me, it's because I'm on the verge of doing something that's going to change the game. And it's just a fight or flight thing. And I got to realize that, you know what? Okay, I acknowledge that fear's there, but I'm forgetting about it. I'm not letting it take me over. And you know what? If I fail, I want to fail fast and fail often. Because if I can fail quickly, I can pivot and I can learn. And I think you're exactly right. The Thomas Edison approach that I've found that for every idea I have that is awesome, I've had three to 10 that are really bad. And it was no different when I was writing a bunch of songs. Is it like, yeah, I, I write a great song, but you know what? There was like 20 pages of bad songs that it took to get to that point. And I think it's amazing that you're talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, back to that class I was mentioning earlier, uh, something I learned in there was to have a short, short-term short memory. Don't be embarrassed to fail. Like we, we just sat down and said, all right, guys, let's just spit out ideas. We don't care if they're stupid. It's a no-judgment zone, especially working with your family. It's no oh, judgment yeah. at all. So just spit out ideas. We don't care if they're stupid because eventually in a group of people, especially with sharp minds, even if you spit out a stupid idea – they're going to turn it around and make it into something good. Or if you have another good idea that you're t- – there's so many possibilities with teamwork and branching out uh, and building off each other. Uh, that's something I've really learned not only in school but my short time here with Hearthside as well is just have a short-term memory about failing and, and really be able to take a step back and not get defensive and not say, oh, man, I'm not that good of a salesman. And instead say, here's what I did wrong. 
let me let's correct it and and just have a positive attitude. That's that's what it is. Is I try to go into work every day with a positive attitude so I can get the most out of it. There you go. One of my old roommates, he had he had tattooed on his knuckles P M A positive mental attitude. <laughs> Look at his knuckles all the time. But I think that's where it's at. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm sure those tattoos hurt, but uh, it's worth it. It's a daily reminder for him. That's right. And that's a lifetime reminder for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, this has been awesome having you on. I really appreciate it. And I know people are going to get a ton of value out of this. Hey, Tim, I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it means a lot you say that, that I have something to bring to the table. I've had a really fun time, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure. We'll see you next time. All right. See you, brother. Well, I hope that's a conversation that all of you enjoyed. I love getting the chance to connect with Caleb. He's doing some awesome things, and watch out for him in the future. (laughs) I don't think he's messing around when he says he's got something cooking up his sleeve. Now, I hope as you listen to this, a couple things were made clear. We talked a lot about the young generation this episode, but do not misunderstand me. If you're young in this industry, respect the generation who came first. Hands down. I mean, I'm just telling you guys right now, so much of the success that I've had can be attributed to people who were much older than me that invested into my growth. That can never be understated. But look at this. If you're someone that has a millennial working for you and you're trying to figure out how to motivate them, I hope you picked up on the fact that millennials are problem solvers and millennials love critical thinking. So if you want to engage a young person or a millennial at your company, man, I would just tell you, Give away power to solve problems and watch what happens. If there's a problem issue and you can go to a young person and say, hey, this is a problem. You've got my full authority and power to make it go away. Millennials love jumping all over that because at the end of the day, that shows respect. And I hope that you understood this in the conversation with me and Caleb is that respect actually comes over money. Now, money is important, but respect comes first. And when someone comes to you as a young person and says, look, this has been a problem for me. I trust your judgment and I'm empowering you to help make it go away. It's an unbelievable feeling that makes you feel vested and bought into that company. Now, some other advice as we're talking about the M word and how to, you know, have success with millennials and the younger generation here. I'll say this is think about having clear expectations. Many problems in a lot of companies come from expectations not being clear. And as a millennial, I can just tell you firsthand that I want clarity in what's expected of me. If I understand what's expected of me, I can fully embrace being held accountable to it. But if I'm not clear in what's been expected of me, I'm going to get really mad if we have a conversation where you're disappointed, but I didn't understand what the expectations were that were set. But if you're someone that has some young millennials in your company, I would just tell you, take advantage of them. You know, millennials, they really are thinking differently. Everything that we talked about with disruption is is absolutely the truth. They're always thinking about ways to do things better, to do things differently. And yeah, they might have some bad ideas every now and then, but you know what? If you can take your wisdom that's more refined and tried and true with their young ingenuity, I'm telling you that the sky's the limit. That's, that's what I found firsthand and I would hope it'd be worth pushing into for your company as well. Now, the very last thing I'll say, we we teased this in the intro to the show. I hope you took it away. If you're a young person that's trying to make it in this industry and you're not sure if this is going to be the fit or if it's just a stop along the way, I will tell you that the one ingredient you have to have as part of your recipe for success is passion 
Compassion covers so many sins. Now, it doesn't give you an excuse to do anything, but passion covers a multitude of sins. It makes you a better salesperson. It makes you more fun to be around, and it makes it to where customers listen to what you have to say. You know, for a long time, I played music in a rock and roll band, and I thought that's what I was going to do. And frankly, when I was working for my father-in-law, I was a mediocre employee and installer because I didn't put my energy and passion into it. I did it just because it was a paycheck. Well, at some point along the way, things changed, and I started pumping my passion into it. And what I realized is that when I started pumping my passion and my energy into this industry, it was amazing how this industry all of a sudden became my dream. So I would just encourage you that if you're in that boat, and honestly, I guess this doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old, if you keep feeling like there's something different out there for me, whether it's a different industry, whether I'm waiting for this career, I'm waiting for this promotion, for whatever it is, Take a look at where you are now and pump your energy and your passion into it, and I think you're going to be amazed at the results that you get. So with all that said, I hope that this episode has been a blessing for you. Keep writing in your questions for the Q&A episode that's coming up. Again, that email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. Seriously, every time I get an email from you guys, I am so thankful because it means that the content in this podcast is helping your businesses win. It's the entire reason that we're doing it. So with all that said, I hope you have a great rest of your week. We will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.